Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. Together we declare that we are yours, Jesus. We are your sons and daughters. We are loved by you. You are a good, good father. God, for every time we underestimate your goodness, God, I thank you that you adjust us, that you correct us, that you transform us according to the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given freely to us, God. We thank you. We are made right. We are made new. We are reconciled to you, Jesus, as we put our faith in you, God. We love you in this place. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Right. Hey guys, thank the worship team this morning for leading us. Good work. Good work. Gotta love Wade on the kit. He knows how to hit those bad boys. Thank you, Wade, for that. Thank you, Wade. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing okay. I trust you're thoroughly enjoying your summer, right? It's that point of the summer. I start to get a little ambitious. I was at a cookout last night. Normally at cookouts, I eat just one hamburger or one hot dog. Last night, I had two hot dogs and one and a half hamburgers, all right? Okay, two hamburgers. We're taking risks here. We're, we're taking risks here at Vine Life, all right? Now, I, I trust that you're enjoying the summer and getting some rest. This last few weeks have been great. I, I've been out the last couple of weeks um, but the last month in June, if you've been traveling, if you've been out and about, it's been, a, it's been a really good time. We've been in a good conversation as a church because our desire is that all of us as people take up our place in the story of God and are able to live in response to God, live lives that are able to respond to God. And so we've started into this series called Making Space um, over the last uh, three weeks, and, and I, I kicked it off. Pastor Bob took the last couple, th- couple weeks. How many of you guys are thankful for Pastor Bob in this place? Really good stuff. And basically, the big idea is in every area of life, we can point to several different areas, and we could probably spend a lot of time on this, but there's different places in life where in order for us to be able to live on mission, we have to be able to live with margin, all right? And you know as well as I do, If we don't give thought to this, if we don't live with a sense of intentionality, if we don't happen to life, life will happen to us. But that's not the type of people we're called to be. Where things just happen to us and things, our time is stolen, our relationships are maxed out. And as we talk today, there's other places where we just live on the edge and on the limb, but that is not the nature we've been given because we are called by God to be a force to be reckoned with in the world, to be a force of goodness. In order to take steps in that, we have to learn how to be people who make space, who look at our lives through the lens of God. What have you called me to do? What kind of life have you called me to live? And how can, how can I make that front and center and, and rather than trying to, to fit mission into my life, I can make my life about your mission. God is not to be squeezed into our lives. Can I get an amen there? Amen. That does not work very well. In fact, that's the one way ticket to you exploding. And a life that explodes. Because when you try to fit God in, He doesn't fit very neatly 
into the slice of the pie that we want to keep them in. And that's what we're talking about. And I know that's not what you guys want. I know as a people, we want these things, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we need permission to be able to say, this is the type of life that I want to live with the Lord for the Lord. So we're going to hop into this today. Bob did a great job the last couple weeks. He did such a good job talking about time a couple weeks ago, talking about Kronos versus Kairos time and, and the need to make space for the fullness of time. Such a good job. I decided to take the next week off, so that's why I wasn't here. Uh, last week I was camping, and camping is always a great idea until you realize that maybe this wasn't worth as much work as we put into it, right? But we'll just leave that alone. No, it was a great time. Great time camping with the family last week. I'm hoping you guys are having fun this summer too. Um, last week we talked about relationships and, and, and making sure that we're intentional about the people that, that God has given to us. And when we think, about, when we think through God, who are the people that you've given, given to me to love? Then we are able to give the best of ourselves back to them. And that's the type of people we are. We want to be people who give the best of ourselves to the people who matter most to us, who God has put in our lives. So we're going to hop in. We're going to open with the word. I'm going to invite Mr. Dennis McCormick up. He's going to read the word. Everybody welcome Dennis this morning. You can read straight from the iPad. This is Matthew 19, 16 to 24. And behold, a man came up to him. Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All these I've kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And when the young man had heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had many great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich man enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, so today we get to talk about a really exciting topic called finances. If you're a guest with us here today, I know that that's what you were thinking when you woke up this morning. I hope I can just go to church and we can sing some songs and then talk about money and then go home, right? That's what we're all thinking this morning. No, it's great. I'm actually really excited, though, because when we start talking about this stuff, especially when we're talking about margin, this has everything to do with living the life God has called us to live. And there's a couple things this morning that I know um, are going to be so helpful for us to wrap our heads around. And again, this has to do 
with permission. This has to do with knowing what kind of life God has called us to live. And so we have to talk about money. And now, so if you're a guest with us here today, thanks for coming today. I hope you get the heart of what's happening here and that we are not a church all about money, but we are about a church that's all about mission and helping each other step into the story of God. Amen? And so that's what we're doing here, and that's what we have to talk about. And it's funny because when you start talking about money, I just have to acknowledge this isn't a Christian thing. This isn't a non-Christian thing. This is something that affects all of us. And everyone in this room, this is what I know about you. You know what it feels like when you are living at the edge when it comes to your finances and your income, right? And it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it just levels the playing field all around. Every religion, every race, doesn't matter where you are in the world where you're born. It doesn't matter what level of income you have. The feeling of strapped feels the same to every person, does it not? It feels the same to all of us. And it has probably the most effect out of anything we've talked about the last couple weeks. Uh, we talked about time, we talked about relationships, all those things. But money has this funny way that when we live at the max, when we live with no breathing room, it has a way of, of affecting the way we spend our time, of affecting how quality relationships are getting. Because we start driving ourselves, we start pushing ourselves in new ways to keep up something that we feel entitled to, which we call a standard of life. And the interesting thing about money is this. We talked about time, and time, what's unique about time is you can't save it, right? You have 24 hours, you have the same amount of days in a week, the same amount of weeks in a year, right? All of us, every, the most important person on earth and everybody else on earth, we all have the same amount of time. And you can't save up time. There's no rollover plan when it comes to your calendar. Don't you wish they would just invent that, Right? There's no data rollover plan, like any unused time. If you didn't spend time well yesterday, you're like, oh, you know what? I'm just, that's, that didn't count. That's going to roll over into my next cycle, right? I wish they, I w- somebody's got to get on that and make that. There's got to be an app for that or something. Haven't found it, right? But money is a lot different because money, you can get to the end, the limit of what you have. And guess what? You can keep spending. You can take, you can go all the way to the limit, and then you can keep going past the limit, which makes it a very interesting thing. And what happens is we begin to get on this cycle where we feel like we have to keep up, and we feel like we have to become a servant to something that we, that should be serving us at the end of the day. Are you guys with me this morning? You can't save up hours, but you can spend more time, or more, more money than you have. And this is margin that we're talking about. And here's a couple things I know about you in the room. This is, about, this is true about all of us, and I think this is important just to kind of get out on the table. First of all, I know this about you. You are living on a percentage of your income. Exactly. You don't need to write that down. That wasn't re- revelation there. You, you, you're living on some kind of percentage on your income. Now, that percentage is going to be different, higher uh, for some of us. Some of it's going to be lower, and that's fine. But a lot of us don't know what percentage of income that is, all right? A lot of us aren't even aware. What percentage of what I bring in do I live on? Here's, here's the other thing I know. A lot of us in this room, I would guess most of us feel like, most of us are here. If I just had a little bit more than where I'm at right now, I would feel a lot more settled in my life, right? I mean, I, you're not raising your hand. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. 
But I, I know this to be true, that a lot of it, I hear the conversations, you're waiting for that, that next job to land, you're waiting for that next thing to come. And we, there's this feeling, if I was just at this next thing, this next little level, I would feel a lot more settled about where I am. Now here's the third thing I know. You were thinking the same thought 10 years ago when you were making a lot less money. Okay, am I wrong? And you, it's, for some of you, the, what you're making right now, if you told yourself 10 years ago you'd be making that, you'd be like, why in the world would I ever complain about anything, right? I mean, you, you remember having that thought, like, man, if I just got to that, you had this magic number in your mind, and you know what I'm talking about. You had this thing, if I get there, if I break this amount of digits, if I get into this tier, I mean, we're going to be set. I mean, that's going to be it. But isn't it funny how as soon as you get there, all of a sudden, this elusive carrot that was dangling in front of you, it kind of moves. And you get there, and then that thing moves. And then there's one more step, and one, something happens, because everything has adjusted now to this new phase of life, right? And here's why we have to talk about this. Here's why this makes sense. Because when we start adjusting to that, it has nothing to do with the quality of life we live. I know people that make three, four, five times as much, and you do too, that when you look at the quality of life they're living, when you look at the amount of peace and health and, and the quality and the depth of relationship they have, there is nothing to be envied about that. And you guys know what I'm talking about. We all have friends like that. Now listen, this message isn't about rich or poor. It's not that being poor is better than being rich. Everybody's heard the, the phrase, everybody's heard the phrase, money won't buy you happiness. But also, being broke won't buy you happiness either, right? And some of you are like, amen to that. That, that didn't make me happy either. And so this isn't, about, this isn't about God doesn't want you to have things. We're going to get into this passage that we just read. This message isn't about Jesus is against things. This is about you understanding what has been given to you and deciding and being intentional about paying attention to it in a way that you are not living so close to the edge that you get rid of all the breathing room between what you're bringing in and what you're spending. And some of us, that margin is so close that actually the spending has over, overtaken the income in that way. And not only is there not breathing room, but you are on crisis mode at this point in time. And there's, and there's things that happen when we're in crisis mode that get us to not be able to respond to what God's doing. It has to do with stewarding our finances because if we don't do this well, this is why this matters. This conversation matters for people who have no faith. But it matters even more for us who are following Jesus and want to do this because if we, don't, if we don't have a good understanding of this, if we don't model this, if we don't uh, learn to steward what God has given us well, we will never be able to experience the fullness of the life he intends to give. You are quiet right now. But we're going to get into this. So we just read the story the, the rich young ruler, many of you are familiar with that. I just want to take a look at a couple things here in this passage. He shows up to Jesus. This young man shows up to Jesus. And the question that he has is, what must I do to have life, to experience eternal life? Here's a young man that is searching for life. He is searching for something more than what he's got. He's not asking just, how do I keep the commandments? He wants life. That's what he's bringing for, Right? And when we're talking about life, and in this passage, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, or he's talking about the kingdom of life, we have to understand, this is not just about life after death, all right? We, when we hear that phrase, eternal life, we automatically think, 
Oh, that means when I die, that's what he's talking about. That's not just what we're talking about here. In fact, many times when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about another place or another time. He's talking about his purposes to bring restoration and renewal to all of creation and our ability to partner with him in bringing that resurrection and creation into this earth. And so when this rich young ruler says, says, hey, what must I do to have eternal life? They start talking a little bit. And Jesus starts talking about the commandments. What's interesting is Jesus, he skips over the first four commandments and gives them the second, the, 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 the last six commandments. And um, he's probably assuming this, this, this young man has already got the first four commandments nailed. And so he says, all right, well, if, if you want to do this, you have to continue the rest of the commandments. And that brings it to another interesting point in the conversation because the rich young ruler says, listen, I've already got all, I already do all those things. What must I do? What, what more can I do? And I love what Jesus says here. He says, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor. You will treasure in heaven. And what, what's interesting about this, in another translation, it doesn't use the word perfect, it uses the word complete. If you would be complete... This is what you still need to do. And what I think is, he's, he's poking fun at this guy. Because here's a guy, this Rich Rangular, he is a collector. He's a collector of things. He's a collector of accolades. He's a, coll- he's, he's a resume builder, all right? He's trying to get all of his ducks in a row. And so Jesus is like, okay, listen, if you've done all of that, if you've collected all these things, if you want to, if you want to be complete in your collection of all of these things in life and getting, all, get, getting it all straight, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give it all away. It's all these things you've been collecting, both morally and physically. Guess what? If you want your collection to be complete and to be perfect and to be whole and to be full and the whole thing, do yourself a favor, give it away. And then you'll experience a new kind of life, this, this life in heaven. And here's what I think here's what I think Jesus is getting at. And this is really good for us here today because this is a message that you will not hear outside of this room or outside of these conversations. We, you know as well as I do, we live in a world, every marketing message sends a, a totally different announcement to you and I. And here's what Jesus is saying. Listen, we have to get this. Standard of living is not equal to quality of life. Okay? Your standard of living is not the same as your quality of life. In fact, for some of you, You have to decrease your standard of living in order to experience a new quality of life. Because the life that Jesus came to bring has nothing to do with what we have and what we've been given and what we collect. It has to do with experiencing the fullness of a new kind of life that he invites us into, right? Standard of living does not equal quality of life. Now, that's not the message that we get everywhere else, right? You get, no, 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 no. Everybody wants to convince you the other way because that's how we sell things, right? No, no, your quality of life has to do with newer and better and shinier and newer appliances. That one, that one just, you know, the finish, you you saw it doesn't even look good anymore. Food's not going to taste as good in that refrigerator anymore, right? That car, it may be able to get you from there, from there to there, but you're going to be miserable along the way, right? It's all these things and finishes and upgrades and the whole thing, newer, shinier, better, newer, shinier, better. This whole thing, everybody wants to convince us that the standard of living equals quality of life. And Jesus says, if you, want to, if you want to know real life, you have to be able to separate the two. You cannot buy this lie. Now, I heard this illustration recently. There's this, you may have heard this. There's this kind of illustration called how to catch a monkey. All right? How to catch a monkey. All right. 
There's a photo of a monkey on the screen. Simply in case, if you remember nothing else, you remember that you saw an adorable monkey this morning. Okay, that's the only reason there's a monkey on the screen right now. But there's this illustration um, called How to Catch a Monkey, all right? And, and it kind of goes like this. You get, the, you get a, a jar, a glass jar, and you put some food in the glass jar. And if you, this is how you catch a monkey. You guys could try this at home, all right? Put a banana in the glass jar. You put some food in the glass jar. That monkey is going to come by and is going to put their hand in the glass jar. As long as that kind of lip is just small enough, right, they can fit their hand in and nothing else. They come in, and as soon as they clench that thing, that food, that banana, their wrist or their fist starts to expand, and whatever they're holding starts to expand, and they start to bring that thing out, and it will not come out of that jar, all right? And the thing is, monkeys, this is what they haven't figured out. Monkeys have not figured out that it'd be better for me just to let go of what's ever in there so I can go experience, you know, get back to what I was doing. Rather, the monkey just keeps his hand in the jar and just starts dragging around the jar with him, right? Either that or he's caught in the process because he didn't figure out that in order to get out of this thing, I have to let go. And I'm telling you, it's the same thing with us. When Jesus is saying it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through an eye of a needle, he's he's saying, listen, if you're planning on taking everything with you, if you're planning on all these things you're collecting, doing something with it that's going to be profitable, you have to be willing to let go to experience a new quality of life. And it's a really good question for us today. Because some of us are convinced, you know, when we compare ourselves to our friends and the standards and and this and that, we're convinced that we deserve a certain style of life. But I'm telling you, would you rather have a great marriage? Or would you rather have a bad marriage and new cars? All right? Would you rather have a quality that starts with here and now and enjoying what's in front of you? Or would you rather be right on that edge and kind of ignoring where one starts and the other stops? Because when we back away from the edge, we can experience life more full. Breathing room is when we can think, we can respond. That breathing room between what our income and our spending, it is a critical thing. I'm not telling you, and I know that in church, it's like, why are we talking about this in church? Because I'm telling you, it's in this space. It's just the same as in our time. It's just in the same in our worship and our time with the Lord. There is a moment of, there's a space where you're able to be clear about what is it that God has called me to do, and you're flexible and spontaneous enough to be generous at a moment's notice. And in conversations, I get concerned. Because when I know that we're living just full blast to that full thrust all the way to the max in that way, we cut ourselves off from a quality of life that can only be found in generosity. And this is all throughout Scripture. And, you know, over the years, my wife and I, I've had to make very conscious decisions in different things. There's been opportunities like, okay, we could do that right now. That would be, that would make things more comfortable or convenient and those types of things. And listen, Jesus, I don't think he has any issue with quality things and nice things. That's not what this sermon's about. It has nothing to do with having nice things. It has to do with knowing what is the, what is the, the baseline, what is the place where I can still live and be intentional about the life that God has given me without being controlled by what I have. 
You have to answer that question. If you do not answer that question, if you ignore that question, if you pretend it's not there, I'm telling you, you're going to be cut off from a quality of life that is available to you here and now in Jesus. And that comes through giving yourself away and living yourself for the kingdom of God. And this is all throughout Scripture. Leviticus 23, 22. God is teaching his people just about what to do with crops, what to do with the work, how he wants them um, to think of it. And this is what it says, verse 22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And he said, listen, and this, you know, obviously this is a, uh, an agrarian culture. So they're farming. This is what they do. This is their income, all right? This is what they're doing. And, and God says, listen, you need to know this. This is how I want you to live. I don't want you to live. I don't want you to do what everybody else is doing. That's not original, and it's not interesting. What I want you to do is, as you're harvesting your field, there's an edge around the field, and I don't want you to touch it. I don't want you to reap it in for yourself to, in, to increase your way of living. I want you to leave an edge there because there's others that I care about that I want you to be a blessing to because that's the type of people that you are. You're a people of blessing. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. And so basically, he ends with declaring his identity over us. He's like, listen, you don't need a good reason to do this. You're going to do it because I am the Lord your God. So basically, he's telling his people, back away from the edge. See the edge? Back away from the edge. It's like, this, you know, like a negotiator, you know, somebody like standing at the edge about ready to commit, commit suicide. Back away from the edge. And he says it a little bit differently in Deuteronomy 24, 19 to 22. He says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember, this is how he ends it, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. Do you you just catch that? In this passage, he gets really specific about the trees and about the grapes, about the way that they're harvesting, about the way that they're working. And there's a certain thoroughness that they could extract everything and just keep it. He says, no, 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 no. I want you to live your life in a way because there's a few people that I care about. The sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And these people I care about. And I want you to live in a way where you make space in your life. You make space. You don't take all of your earnings and all of your income and all your provision all the way to the max in order just to kind of announce this is the, the life that we've been given. But I want you to back away from the edge. Back away from what it would look like to take all that for yourself. I want you to reserve it for the ones that I care about. Why? Because remember, you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And he rescued you. That's what he's saying to his people. I want you to remember your story. Don't you guys realize, a lot of times when we slip into these ways of living, 
where we just push ourselves and we take ourselves to the maximum, to the absolute edge in every area of life, I think a lot of times it's because we've forgotten our own story. And can I remind you your story? Our story is the same as their story. No, we weren't actually in Egypt, but come on. We were, we were enslaved to our sin. And God found us where we were at, and out of a great act of mercy and provision, he brought us out because he didn't want us he, he didn't want us to be treated like that anymore. He didn't want us to be disregarded and disvalued anymore. And he said, listen, when you remember the story, when you remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, that should change the way that you regard your own life, that you don't take everything to the absolute limit, but you remember the ones that I am also inviting into a life of blessing, and that you were to live your life in a way where you make room for those who need to know that there's a good God who loves them. Come on, are you guys here this morning? And that's, that, that's, that's a quality of life looks so much different than what our culture says. And we have to separate the two. We have to separate the two. It's not the same as standard of living. Quality of life has to do with the ability to respond to God, to be generous at any moment. My wife and I, as I was telling you earlier, my wife and I have, have had to say no to certain things to maintain a quality of life. So they didn't say no to certain things so we could have the means to continue to invite people over for dinner or continue to afford certain things that will allow us to continue to be a blessing. And you know what? That's, it's, it's a great decision when you're able to say no because you know that you're actually saying yes to a new kind of life that's better than a life you could ever dreamed of on your own. Because the life that they promise us, the life that our world promises is not fulfilling. That carrot will move. And I just want to give you permission right now to think a little bit differently, to change the way you think, because that is not the nature you were given. You were given a powerful, bold nature, and you were called to be an agent of ridiculous blessing. Ridiculous blessing. Announcing it, living it, demonstrating it, giving it away. And don't you know that's the case? When we live to the max, and you guys know this, when we live to the max in the different areas, you know what's really hard to do? The one another's in Scripture. You know all the one another's? Serve one another. Forgive one another. Be generous towards one another. Stir each other up to love and good works. Bear each other's burdens, you know. All the one another's. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. All the one another's that seem to matter to Jesus that seem to matter to the fruit of our lives. When our lives are at the max, we lose our ability to remember that we are conduits of the blessing of God in Christ. And we are his hands and his feet called to give away and to serve and to be irrational in our generosity. (laughs) And so, there's a few, on a practical level, There's a couple things that we just have to continue to think about. The series all around, you've noticed the last few weeks, has been really practical. I mean, really at the end, it's been practical. I want to encourage some of you um, that you have to be a knowing where your money is a going, okay? (laughs) That should be memorable, right? (laughs) Most of you, like, you have no idea where your money goes. It just goes, I mean... That's, somebody said, if money could talk, it would just say one word. Goodbye, right? That's all it says. That's the only conversation it wants to have with you. Goodbye. And that's how you feel. But I'm telling you, when you become intentional, there's a lot of tools that you can do this. We use mint.com. We can go, we can track every dollar we spend. It has nothing to do with obsessing over things, but we want to be sure 
that our finances, after a month or after a couple months or when we look at a year, that they're honoring God, that there's a way that we can point and say, listen, we did our best to be conduits of generosity with whatever means that we're given. And yeah, there's times you have to back away. We have to kind of like back away from certain things because we want to continue to be a blessing. And then there's other times when God brings provision, we rejoice and we celebrate. We don't ignore that. It has nothing to do with not having, you know, things. I lo- things are great. Things are fine. But you have to know what, what, what matters for you is different than what matters for somebody else that you're sitting next to you or the other coworker that you're, that you're working with. And when we compare ourselves based on what God's given us, there is a trap that is waiting at the door. When we know what God has given to us and we are clear about how he wants us to use that to be a blessing, I'm telling you, there's a quality of life there. It is better to be a person that says, I want, than to be a person that says, I owe. Can I just give you permission there? It's not fun to say, I want. I, I, I'm with you, all right? There's, there's areas where you're like, oh, I, need, I, I want this. And sometimes it's like, I need this, right? Don't, I'm not saying ignore those things, but I will tell you what, on the, on the other side of that, it is much better to say I want than it is to say I owe. Because when you owe, what does that mean? That means your hand is in a jar that you are dragging around the world with you. You are a monkey with a hand on a banana in a jar. You have no way out. And that is not who you are. And so... The third thing is, I, I want to encourage us. There's things, if you want to experience a new quality in life, do something this week that's irrationally generous. And some of you, that's as simple as purchasing a meal for somebody that you know. Or going to a neighbor, going to a widow, or a fatherless, or a sojourner. Whatever that means, right? And being a blessing. I mean, it can be very simple. For some of you, that means you give away a car. That means you do something ridiculous. You do something irrational. Because I'm telling you, Jesus, when he is announcing the kind of life that we get to live, he's saying there is a quality in this, and it's a different kind of quality. But there's something here, because this is who you are called to be. Now, this is kind of one last little movement. And I want us to imagine if we all got this right. We, we have to imagine a world possibilities to do this. The reason this whole series matters, the whole reason the whole conversation about margin matters, again, is because we have to continue to remind ourselves of the mission that God has given to us. Now, this last week was a defining moment in our country, okay? This is, I'm just taking a sharp turn right here, I'll, and I'll come back. I just want to offer one last thought here. This last week was a defining moment for the evangelical church specifically as it relates to how our government interprets terms that we hold sacred, that we believe, all right? And you guys are familiar with this. The last few days, your head is probably spinning from all the conversations. You log into Facebook and you're just, your face just melts, right? There's just stuff happening everywhere. It's just wild. And I, I've been in conversation after conversation after conversation. Um, and it's a time, I think, in, in the church in our country, we have to ask the Lord for a lot of wisdom here. We have to ask the Lord for a lot of wisdom. Now, I want to recognize that even me just bringing this up right now, uh, it, it's, 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 hard. it's hard to even have the conversation about what our country is doing with same-sex marriage right now without feeling condemned for one side or the other. Uh, the, the moment you bring it up, you have, you're either going to be too light on the thing or too hard on the thing all the way around. Okay, so I just want to, can I just get it on the table? You may walk away from this little segment here and just be 
upset, okay? I'm okay with doing that to you, all right? I, obviously, by talking about it, I'm not afraid of that. Now, what, I, what I'm saying here, I'm not about to give my take on the whole thing. I'm not about to give Vine Life's take on the whole thing. Bob is going to share his little nugget, too, at the end of the service on this. But as it relates to this message, this is what I want to give us another thought here, okay? I'm not here to give my one take, but when it comes to issues relating to church and state, it's easy for us to get sucked into a vortex where certain issues become the only issues of the most important issues. However, whether this last week felt like an atrocity or felt like a victory, I'm hoping there is something we can agree on. There is not now a shortage of people who still need to experience Jesus in real ways in our world. There are sick people that need healing. There are prisoners who need to be visited. There are captives who need to be set free. There are homeless who need clothes and food. There are global friends who need clean water. And all around you are human hearts that need to experience the depths of God's love. Can you feel it? And when, like Jesus said, when you do this for the least of these, we're doing this unto him. We live our lives unto him. So while our country's sorting out, while we're still sorting this out, we're in these conversations. And now I'm not saying we dismiss the conversations. I think the conversations are incredibly important all the way around. I do know this, that a lot of the things that we're talking about, they're not black and white issues. They're flesh-colored. We're dealing with people that God loves all the way around. And we cannot back away from that. We are people primarily of love all the way around. And yeah, there's things that we have to understand about what the church is called to and what the Bible calls us to, all of those things. But we are people at the end of the day who are people of mission. And our mission has not changed, by the way. So while our country is sorting this out, don't forget that we can still be about what the church has always been about, being a people full of life who invite the world to know the way, the truth, and the life. When we make margin and adjust our lives to this mission, this is what it all comes back to for this conversation here. And I know I'm just scratching the surface. And I know I'm going to get all kinds of people wanting to have conversations after the service. That's fine. I might walk away, but that's fine, okay? All kinds of emails. That's fine. We have to talk about these things. I get it. I'm just saying, you talk about these things, you have enemies right away. But if we can be a people who intentionally live and connect in the story with God and know our point in history. And we know that while the government's deciding things and things are shifting and things are changing, that does not change what you and I have been called to since day one. To be people that display the goodness of God and to have lives whose fruit is so compelling that it demands the world to notice. That is what the church is called to And this is why this matters to me. And this is why I believe that God is wanting to give us a better vision for what it means to be people on mission. Are you guys guys here this morning? And for everything that was just unsaid right there, Bob's going to clean up all my mess. And I know this is a very serious, it's a very serious stuff we're talking about. Just, again, full circle. I'm just, I'm convinced that we need to know what is mission number one. And that mission has not changed. And it won't change. And you will be doing this to the day we die. Is announcing the goodness and the glory of God in Christ. That is available to all. So, can we pray this morning?
And if you're in a place right now, and I would just encourage you just to receive from the Lord. And if you, if you want, like, yeah, I want to live a life like this. I want to get these things under control. I want to be transformed in the way, the way I think, the what I'm doing. I want to be a life of blessing. I just want you to invite the Lord into that moment. God, I thank you in this place today. I thank you for your promises to us, God. I thank you for the type of people we're called to be. And if there's ever a time that the world needs to see a strong, confident bride of Christ, God, I know it's right now. A people committed to a life of beauty and love and good creation. A people that announce identity and worth and value. A people that go to every corner of the earth, to every person made in the image of God to announce this. God, and and I thank you I thank you, God, that you're freeing us up to be that kind of people, that I believe that what's going to happen is we're going to intentionally live in a way that in a moment's notice, when an opportunity comes to go to India, to Africa, to go build a clean water, that we're ready and we have resources willing to stay on mission at any given point. And in, in our world, Lord God, and the people that you've given to us, Lord God, I thank you that you give us permission to not have to do what the world says and living on the edge, but we get to back away so that we can continue to be a people of blessing. I thank you to guide us in that process, show us what that means for each one, and help us to encourage each other to do the same, God. We thank you. We do thank you for every provision you've given us. We do thank you for every house and every car, all the things, Lord God, that we do hold and the things that we do steward. And we recognize they are from your hand. They are not evil. They are from your hand. But God, I pray that you help us to keep our lives in tune with who you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.